Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Rozil and my guest today is Michael Willett. He's the CEO and founder of Walk On Nation and he was a member of the UFC football team in 2017 when they won that national championship. He was also there three years prior when they went to a couple other New Year's Six Bowls. So Michael was absolutely fantastic to get to talk to and understand his football journey, his story, what he's done and how he's done it, and then what he did after he knew football was over for him, which is create Walk On Nation, where he helps student athletes understand what they need to do from a branding perspective, which I absolutely love. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Michael Willett. Today on the For the Love of Sports podcast, my special guest is Michael Willett, CEO and founder of Walk On Nation, UCF football player from 2013 to 2017, including the UCF National Championship. Uh, Michael, really appreciate you hanging out with me today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me on. No problem, brother. I didn't tell you the national championship part. I, I wanted to, before we got on, I wanted to see kind of your face. You smiled, so I'm all for it then. It works for me. Yeah, yeah, it's, there's some stories behind that, so it's it's interesting. It it's something, man. It's something. I'm all for it. I mean, whatever. I'm all. I'm totally for it. You guys kicked the crap out of Auburn that year, if I'm not mistaken, and you beat a couple teams to make it, so that you actually would have essentially won the whole thing, right? It was something funny like that. I can't remember. Right? Yeah, pretty much. We beat Auburn. Auburn beat Alabama. Alabama won the national championship. So since we beat Auburn, we in mm. turn are national champions. I love it. That's good logic to me. Transitive property. Right? <laughs> a, equals, a, a equals B, B equals C. I'm all for it, man. So good stuff. So, uh, Michael, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Growing up, sports was pretty much all I did as a kid. I'm from New York, so actually basketball was my first love. But moving to Florida, football is the main thing in Florida. So I basically made that my love for when I came down here and I put all my effort into it and it's just fun. No other way to describe it. It's just fun. It's how I could relieve stress. I could just be myself on the field. It's just love the game. That's awesome, man. Yeah. There's nothing like, uh, you know, playing sports. You learn so much. The competition is always fun, right? It's, it's fun to compete. I mean, for some people, for others, I'm, I'm a huge sore loser. So I hate <laughs> losing so, so much. And I'll be the first person to say that. So sometimes it's just easy, easier for me to walk away and, and quit and pretend like I, lost, I, I quit on my own terms. But in reality, I was just going to lose anyway. So <laughs> it's what it is, man. It is what it is. But as you said, you moved down to Florida. Um, Obviously, as I said, and I'm, I'm going to screw it up at some point. Hopefully, I, I keep it keep it together. You went to UCF, a uh, mm -hmm. very well-known program, especially now. Just some of the stuff that you guys have been able to accomplish over the last few years, especially, as we said, the 2017 season, 2018 was pretty impressive. Uh, last year, uh, you guys, I think they were top 15, top 10 at one point, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. you know, become you know, one of those powerhouses in the state of Florida, which also includes, you know, Florida State, Miami, University of Florida. What was it like? Like, what, What's Division One football like? I don't really get the opportunity to talk to too many people that, uh, you know, I watch on Saturdays for hours and hours and hours a year. Yeah, so Division One football 
it's fun, but at the same time, it's a business. So like on your end, you see the lights, cameras that's playing on the field, but behind the scenes, we're working 24 seven from six in the morning to eight at night. We're doing film classes, practices, and we got to figure out time to study to pass all our classes and stuff like that. So division one is a special life. It's a life not many people need to live. So I'm blessed to have that experience, but at the same time, people have to understand there's a whole business aspect to it. And it's not just fun and dandy high school ball anymore. Now you're making money from the university. You have a name to uphold and there's a whole bunch of things that go into that, but all in all, it's still fun, but it is a very business area. Division one football it is. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of money that these schools are pulling in um, is, is very impressive. You know, the TV deals we see with their, like, you know, the college football playoff, we know all the numbers around it. You know, it's not, uh, you know, no one's hiding them from us. They're very easily, you know, Google them and you'll find them pretty quickly. What right. is it like um, from your point of view, you know, what, what's that recruiting process like you, you said you know high school ball is fun and dandy and now you're going to division one where it is a business right you are a business asset essentially and you're you're helping the university make money and your name's on the back and their name's on the front how what was that recruiting process like because i'm always kind of curious if there were some other schools involved or if this was your one division one opportunity tell me a little bit about that if you don't mind so my recruiting process is different. I had to come on as a walk-on at UCF. So Look at that. my junior year in high school, I was getting letters, offers, all this stuff. But things with coaches ended up happening on my high school team, ended up switching me positions, giving me less playing time. So all those offers were gone. Now I had opportunities from small schools and everything like that to go play upstate and all those things. But inside of me, I knew I was a Division One athlete. And two, I didn't want to really leave my family. I'm a big family-oriented guy. So UCF actually came out to see me before. So the coaches knew me and everything. So actually one day I went up when Coach Lee was the head coach. I went up to the office. Luckily, he was in his office. I basically sat down and I just told him my story and that I'm not asking for a scholarship. I'll do whatever it takes to earn my scholarship. I just want a chance to play on the team. That day right there, he said, fine, I'll bring you in on his preferred walk-on. You're on the team starting this day. So that's how I got to UCF. But the recruiting process as a whole, it's a business when I was getting recruited by other schools. It's basically, they tell you what you want to hear in order to get you to the school. So it's definitely, like I said, it's a business process. You're making the best decision for yourself. So on my end, I definitely looked at academics as well. UCF was an up-and-coming school. They had great academics central to everything over 60,000 alumni so I'm tapped into jobs when I get out so that was a major thing I looked at on my recruiting process that is awesome man and what what is it like kind of knowing you know maybe they're not just straight up lying to your face but they're definitely stretching the truth and not not UCF just all these schools I mean what is it like knowing that uh, especially as a 17, 16, 17, 18 year old kid, you know, barely know the world yet. I'm 28. I don't have any idea what the heck's going mm-hmm. on. Um, so what's that like knowing like, kind of like, how, who do you believe? Who do you not believe? Who do you trust in, in terms of your family to kind of help vet these deals? How was, what was that like? What makes it hard is because being a high school athlete, you're the best on your team. So when the coach tells you that you're like, well, all right, cool. I'm going right into play. And most of us don't realize that we're going to the next level where everyone's the best of the best. Everyone's Mm -hmm. the best on their team. So it takes a good support system. Luckily I had that 
to humble you and let you know that you're going into a new level. You're not going to have everything given to you. You're going to have to earn this. Of course, the coaches want you there because they see your potential, but you haven't reached your potential yet. So the whole thing is to get athletes to understand that, yes, we're talking to you to bring you to the school, but you have to understand that, like I said, this is a business. If you can't make the cut, you can't make the cut. Mm-hmm. Nothing's promised and nothing's owed to you. We gave you your scholarship, and that's all we have to give you. From there on, you have to prove your worth from that point out. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a tough, interesting process. Ah, I can only imagine, as you said, you know, it's always interesting, you know, being, you know, you're, you're on your high school team. You're obviously one of the best. You're getting recruited by Division One school. There then, as you said, you're going somewhere where everyone else was the best on their team. You know, I was a big baseball player. I'm not a big baseball player. I played baseball growing up. And mm-hmm. that was always interesting because in, in Little League, you know, it was always the best athlete was put at shortstop. You know, the second best athlete usually was then put at center field. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting older and everyone, you know, they start weeding out those kids that really aren't going to play in, you know, travel ball and high school ball. And, you know, you're not starting to get up there. Everyone thinks they're the best athlete and everyone thinks they should play shortstop. So it's, it's kind of, you know, it's sim- definitely not the same thing. Let me just say that my high school baseball team is not quite to the level of, but you know what I'm saying? I'm trying yeah, to make that yeah, I got you. for, yeah. For, yeah. And, and I, you know, understanding that you're always looking to be the best. So with that, as you said, you believed you're a division one athlete walking into your coach's office, telling him your story and him giving you that opportunity to become a preferred walk-on first off, what's the difference between a walk-on and a preferred walk-on? So a walk-on, you have to try out for the team. A preferred walk-on is they bring you on the team, but you still have to pay for everything. So books, food, housing, all that stuff. You're on the team, but you have mm-hmm. to pay to be on the team. That's the difference. Okay. Okay. That's a very, very big, uh, big difference. So at what point, I'm assuming your next goal or one of your goals along the way was to gain that scholarship of some sort. Did that ever, did that ever happen for you? Took me one year. One so year. So tell us about year. that year and what the heck you had to do to, to make sure that you were, you were getting that scholarship. So the thing I put in my mind is no matter what, I'll do whatever it takes to get the scholarship. So a lot of times you'll see guys, especially with walk-on stuff, like take it easy during practice and all that stuff. But I knew on my side that I didn't want my parents to have to worry about me or pay for me for school again. Because before that, like there was a time where me and my mom had a conversation before I got to college and before I got to UCF where she was just, upset and crying and told me I'm sorry I couldn't do more for you that moment right there I promised myself that I will do whatever it takes for her not to worry so in practice I'm going full speed every single play teammates are mad at me teammates yelling at me I could care less I'm here for one mission and one mission only to get their scholarship and show my worth and basically I was boss of the wall effort every time I could anytime I got a rep 100% any special teams was big for me anytime there was special teams or a scout team anything like that I'm flying 100% and I got noticed on film by coach Lee who was the head coach at the time and he called me out for all my effort and stuff I was doing and eventually led to me getting my scholarship so it was a very I was very determined in making sure I got what I was here for so that's how that pretty much went and uh, I like how you said that, you know, your teammates were pissed off at you because as you said, yeah, like in practice, you usually don't go a hundred percent, even though they were angry at you. Did they at least understand where you were coming from? Understand like, Hey, I don't have a scholarship. I have to do this. Was there at least a little less contention because of that? Yeah, they understood after a while they, 
knew when I was up there, like, all right, I'm gonna have to actually try because that whole <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna go 100% doesn't work with me. So uh-huh. I love it. Good stuff, man. Yeah, and, and clearly, again, it worked. You know, after a year uh, getting that scholarship, it's incredible. Did you get one of those um sweet uh, unveiling videos that we see on social media all the time now, or was that yeah, was coach- that not quite a thing back then? My coach wasn't about all that, so he just pulled right. it off and said your own scholarship. So that was my video. <laughs> just talking to him one-on-one. Good on enough. One. Hey, man, it happened. It doesn't matter how it happens. Yeah, I, it happens. I, 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 so, I was so, always yeah. curious because – Yeah. Exactly. Man, that's too funny. Good stuff. And then so I do want to talk a little bit about the um, – you know, you guys had a, a coaching change while you there. Obviously, Scott Frost came in. What was it like kind of going from one regime to another? It was completely different. So, coach, it's one side of the spectrum to the other. Coach O'Leary is your stern, old school coach. Man, he's tough. I mean, I give him all credit for bringing me on. I have nothing to say bad about him because he brought me on, of course. But he was old school, to the point, tough. Just your mean coach, people would say. Scott Frost was your player's coach. He's by far the best coach I've ever had in my life. It was a complete 180 when he came around. He was, you can tell he was for the players. He talked to us like, well, what do we want out of this? What will help us do better in practice? What will help us do better in games? He made sure he got our opinions and our voice, and he actually listened. And the things we asked for, he did to his best ability, put in game, practice, lock from whatever it was, Coach Frost was – he was the best coach I've ever had. He's, I love watching his teams just because the offense is so much fun. Um, you know, just to see what he does and what he comes up with, I think is absolutely fantastic. So I'm sure you did have a, a pretty enjoyable time with that. And so if I'm not mistaken, he was there for two years, correct? Yes. Two years. And that first yeah. year, you guys were not so great. Um, I don't remember what – your record was pretty bad, I mean, wasn't it? I mean, we were 0-12 the year O'Leary – that was the last year. Then came mm-hmm. in six and seven when Coach Frost came in. So okay. from zero and twelve to six and seven, that's not bad at all. Oh, actually. I, 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 mis- <laughs> yeah. I was mistaken. I meant I meant that yeah. f- the previous year. Yeah, obviously zero and twelve, not so great. That's your sophomore year. Six and seven, junior year. That's an incredible. Hey, that's a. I mean, an infinity increase because zero to six is infinity, right? And then, right. um, and then you know six, uh, six and seven to then you know self-proclaimed national champions. That doesn't happen, you know, that usually doesn't happen in a two-year stretch where someone's able to do that. As you said, he was a player's coach. He was a good guy. He really taught you. But how did, how did he take a team from 0-12 to 12-0 or 13-0, whatever you guys then, 14-0, in just, you know, two-year span? That, there must have been some more, you know, he had to have some magic or some juice inside him. It all started with culture. So Coach Frost's big thing was brotherhood. So our 0-12 year, I'll be honest, everyone hated everybody from team – Mates hating teammates, coaches hating coaches, teammates hating coaches. We all hated each other. It was always pointing the fingers, just your fault. Coach Frost came in and he created a culture where we can trust again. And once we started to trust again and trust the process, it was much easier for us to be in the grind together and not blame each other. So when a mistake does happen, his big thing is if you make a mistake, make it full speed. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to curse you. I'm just going to teach you. And we took that and embraced it. I mean, the first year we were iffy, but the second year is when, especially with Coach Frost system, is when you really embrace the culture, you'll see the results. And we dived in, we embraced the culture, and it showed from that six and seven to the undefeated season. So 
it's definitely the culture was the magic juice or the mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, it the secret stuff to getting us to where we were. Scott's secret stuff, man, just on that Michael Jordan trend. I mean, we're all watching <laughs> it. So what, um, I mean, I think that's awesome. And again, thank you. Thank you for talking a little bit about this. I, I don't get this opportunity too, too often. So I have to ask, I mean, what was no, it like no just kicking the crap out of Auburn? That must have been so sweet. I mean, it was it was great. The atmosphere was a lot of SEC fans, of course. We were projected to get beat because oh, yeah. SEC versus a non-Power 5 conference. But it was great to just see all the guys come together and us pull out a win. And It was an experience I'll never forget. I actually came in on the Fiesta Bowl year, 2013, we won. So I saw that. And watching the Peach Bowl years when I leave, that's my last game. It was different the Peach Bowl year because we really fought together as a team. I mean, it might have been different the guys in the Fiesta Bowl year, but I was a freshman. I wouldn't understand. Mm-hmm. But through the time that I spent from Fiesta Bowl, 0-12 to undefeated, I mean, it's a story movies write about that I yeah. never thought I'd experience. I left UCF with three rings, though. So. It was a great thing, that whole experience. That game was something I'll never forget. Oh, man, I remember watching it and loving every second of it. Because, I mean, I'm up here in the Northeast, so, I mean, all you ever hear, if you watch college football or pay attention to college football, is how much, how much the SEC, it, it, it just means more, right? It's like, all right, well, let's, let's see. And then you guys just, I don't remember the score, but I remember it not being very competitive. And it was kind of like, all right, this, is, this almost isn't a good game. I'm going to watch it because I want to watch Auburn get crushed. But uh, I, I remember enjoying every second of it. I thought it was, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, and during that process, Scott, kind of, or Scott Frost already accepted his job over here at Nebraska. Um, in a lot of right. situations, you don't see coaches stick around for that game. What did it mean to you and the rest of the team to see him stick around for that type of game and, and you know, not go and you know, leave and flee to go to his new school to start recruiting? He wanted to stick around and really make sure that he finished out the season with you guys. What did that mean to you? Honestly, that shows the character of a man he is because when the story broke, we found out through ESPN. He didn't get a chance to tell us until after. I know that was his initial plan, but that's just how the story broke. So when the story broke, he told us in the team meeting room. That point on, we pretty much like dismissed him for what he had to say. Like, man, whatever, you're leaving us. You did all this to go to Nebraska. We can care less. But to see him stick around, have practice with us, and be there every single practice and not be off to Nebraska recruiting, mm-hmm. it's banded us back together to where we were able to win the national championship. I guarantee you if he would have left for Nebraska without being a coach of the national championship, we would have lost. I mm-hmm. guarantee you that 100%. But for him to stick through, it showed us that he cares about us. And like I said, it really shows the character of a man that he was for him to be able to do that. Because like I said, like you said, no coaches do that. It's unheard of for a coach to get a bigger job and stay with his team to coach the last game. But he did it, and it brought us together even closer. So great guy. I love it, man. Yeah, again, it's it's very unheard of, especially because, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl is so much – you know, some of those games, it's one thing if it's, you know, December – 15th it's another thing if it's you know january 1st or a little bit later depending on how the schedule worked out um you know that doesn't happen too too often so i think that that's absolutely fantastic and it's cool to know he's a good guy um i actually a good buddy of mine is from 
Omaha. So he's, you know, Husker red all day. And, you know, it's nice. I'll be able to tell him and say, Hey, you know, turns out Scott Frost isn't just looks like a good guy. He actually is a good guy, which I think is, is pretty damn cool. So what, um, I mean, two new Year's six bowls that you went to, that's incredible. Fiesta bowl, peach bowl. I mean, not too many people get the opportunity to go to one, you get the opportunity to go to two. Um, it just sounds like you had an absolutely incredible career. Now, unfortunately, the thing about being an athlete is your career is always going to come to an end. Uh, I spoke with someone the other day and they had a great analogy. It's a train on tracks and it will stop eventually. You don't know if it's going to stop quick. You don't know if it's going to slow down very gradually, but it will stop at some point. So what, what was it like, or, or when did you, I guess, realize like, all right, this is, this is kind of it, you know, football is, is no longer playing football is no longer in my future. So the undefeated season for me, I knew it because how I knew I had a career ending injury. So that whole Peach Bowl year, I didn't actually get to play in the game. I was just on the sideline cheering on my teammates. So for my injury, it happened actually the spring going into that season. I got a helmet in my quad, internal bleeding calcified to a bone. So whoa. I asked the doctors like how it would stop. They said, we have no idea it stops on its own. So we don't know when it will stop growing into your muscles. So. From that point on, I said, well, this is it for me. I can't, I can't do anything about it. It's not like I tore my ACL and I can get surgery. Mm-hmm. I have no idea when this is going to stop growing. So I had to think of a plan B. So Damn, man. out of nowhere, just like that, mm-hmm. it stopped. And that was the last thing I was expecting. I was expecting to go in my senior year, good playing time, train to go to the draft, train to be a professional, all these things I had in my head. But out of nowhere, it just went to a complete halt. So it was definitely tough experience dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the worst part about it is, you know, as I said, that train stops fast. Sometimes you didn't, you didn't even get the, I don't want to call it a send off, but you didn't even get the opportunity to play what you could think was your last game. Right. Like right. it's one thing if you kind of saw it coming it's like, all right, this looks like my last year, you know, I'll enjoy this for the, what it is, but it was your junior year of college. As you said, you're going to go into your senior year, get playing time and then hopefully go to the draft. I mean, you were, you're already two steps removed from where you ended up, unfortunately. So, I mean, that sucks, man. You know, and there's really not much I can say to, to make you feel better. Obviously I'm sure everybody's already said all of it to you, but what, what, like how, how did you handle it? Cause that's like, as you said, you know, okay, let's get a plan B, but I mean, that, for a little while, I'm assuming you're kind of, you know, not, not the best place mentally. I mean, it did suck at first. It definitely did. But me being a walk-on, it changed my mentality of how I think. So I always knew I wanted to be a successful person. So mm-hmm. my attitude was if the door is closed, I'll break it down. If I can't break it down, I'll find the window. If I can't find the window, I'll dig from underneath. I'll figure out a way to get through that. So what I did is I actually took my time to intern at the UCF Student Athlete Welfare and Development Office. And I started working with student athlete development and all that stuff because I know other kids deal with these situations. And I know a lot of athletes aren't prepared for the real world when they leave college. So I said, let me take my experiences and go intern and see what I can learn and see if this is the field for me. Found out it's definitely the field for me. It's definitely what I wanted to do. So through that intern, I started thinking, I can develop my own program while I'm still around my guys on the team and all this stuff, but I can develop my own program through my own experiences, through life I lived, what I see working, what I see the problems we deal with as athletes, I can do it myself. And that's in a sense how Walk On Nation formed was from my injury. I ended up forming my own business and using my 
struggles to be my strength. So that's how I dealt with that. I love it, man. And yeah, that's, that's the best way to do it. I mean, and, um, not to make, you know, total comparison, but it's kind of like what we're going through now. You know, a lot of people are getting laid off. A lot of people are, you know, stuck at home. It's how are you taking advantage of a really bad situation? Because there's a lot of people that aren't doing anything. There's a lot of people that are getting worse at whatever they were doing. They're staying status quo. Um, or are you trying to become better? Are you creating more, doing more, or finding more ways to help people? And it sounds like you took a really shitty situation and you were able to now turn, you know, unfortunately your career ending injury into something that's going to hopefully help hundreds of or thousands or millions of potential kids down the road. So, I mean, kudos to you for that, man. And so that's kind of the idea behind it. So what exactly do you guys do at Walk On Nation to help these student athletes? So what we do, our whole thing is athletic identity redefined. We focus on making sure the athlete knows that their status enhances them, not defines them. So we're all about holistic development. So teaching athletes about their identity, who they are as a person, establishing their core values and who to surround themselves around and building their brand. So it's ultimately a three-phase program to where we start from ground zero and work our way up to when we're talking about building our brand. We know exactly who we are as a person, and we can show that on to, show that out to the world. So that's what we're doing over here at Walk On Nation. I love it, man. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And again, you know, um, obviously what student athletes, as we talked about before, Division One is a business. You are a business asset in some way, shape, or form. How are you, I guess, for again, for lack of a better term, utilizing some of these new potential laws and, and new potential rules coming in where athletes can um, uh, benefit from their own likeness now? How are you guys helping them with that? Or is that something that you're kind of, you know, waiting until it officially becomes real or true or within, you know, the, the guidelines at that point? I mean, we're definitely still waiting until it officially becomes a guideline, but in the nature of talking about your personal brand, that we touch base on that anyway, because now you have your brand. Now if you can make money off of it, it's even better if you know your brand. But it's definitely tough to dive into that, especially with what's going on in the world right now. It's kind of hard to touch when the law is not even official or set yet, mm -hmm. so... Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't totally sure how to ask that question. Um, but thank you for understanding where I was trying to yeah, come from. And I, I, I just, yeah. cause it's a huge part now of what's going to happen in division one, uh, in division one sports, right? Like some of these gigantic schools, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to all of it. I think athletes can absolutely should be able to use their own name. I never understood how that's like, that was a question. Um, but I guess here we are. Thankfully, it took till 2020 for some of this stuff to start to get in motion. Fortunately, as you said, everything got stopped for a second. But uh, I'm sure it'll, it'll get figured out and move forward. Do you have any extra insight on kind of what's going on? Do you kind of have a peek behind the curtain? Or is this just something that, you know, you're just kind of watching it like everyone else? I have as much insight as you. I have no peek behind the curtain. I'm watching just as you're watching. I'm just waiting to All see right. what happens. Good stuff. Well, I was hoping maybe you did have a little extra, but uh, we'll, we'll, I wish we'll I continue did to come up. <laughs> so um, through being a Division One athlete, I've spoken to other Division One athletes before. And one thing that uh, a lot of people forget about is you never know who else is in the room. Um, you know, right? I never learned to network and start building relationships till only a couple of years ago. How are you helping athletes now understand the power that they have and using their platform to, you know, you don't know, you know, whose daughter is in your class. Uh, you know, I had a funny story. There's a gentleman, uh, Malcolm Lemmings. He, 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 he didn't realize that the CEO of Wegmans, which is a pretty big food, uh, food chain up here in the Northeast, he didn't know that his, the, the CEO's daughter was in his class. 
And wow. if he just took the time to talk to her to find that out and maybe, you know, do something with that moving forward. So how do you work networking relationship building while still utilizing while having their platform for um, uh, these, these uh, NCAA athletes? Yeah, we definitely dive into that. But the big thing is it's, it's not a night and day situation. Like we break mm-hmm. it down into phases because it, like we said, it starts with identity. You can't network with someone if you have no idea who you are. It's really kind of hard to mm-hmm. send a message like, well, this is who I am. I play football. That's great. What else do you do? <laughs> uh, I don't know. So once we get that, then we go to the next block and the core values. Who, you, who do you have surrounding you? So you can't just have a bunch of football friends. So you have to diversify your friendship. And once you are able to diversify, you're able to understand how other people think. Then we can talk to, about networking. So when you go up to speak to someone, you actually know who you are, what you stand for, and what you want in life. So that's why we break it down into phases the way we do. So when they do get to that point, they're not scared to network because a lot of athletes, whether we say it or not, our big core value is pride and it hinders us a lot. I'm not going to talk to someone and tell them I'm weak in something. Dude, I'm prideful. I'm not going to show you my weakness. The same way if I'm not confident in myself, who I am outside of being an athlete, what am I going to talk to you about in the first place? I have no idea who I am outside of being an athlete. So now we're breaking down those walls little by little to when we're now talking about networking. It's much easier and they're way more comfortable in their skin. Mm-hmm. So that's how we approach it. I love it. And how did you, where, how did you come up with this you know, phase system and how long did it take um, to kind of get all this laid out to the point where you can you know, articulate it as, as uh, cleanly as you just did there? Two to three years, honestly. I, me and my partner, who I do this with, Tristan Reeves, um, we were, since 2017, actually, he was a teammate of mine. He graduated 2018, so had to wait to launch it. But during that time, we were just sitting, figuring out what do we have to deal, go through as athletes and what is the best way to reach us. Of course, there's a million things to talk about, but you have to hone in on one thing and stick to that. So it took years and years of trial and error, figuring out what works, figuring out what doesn't work. Basically, three years to get to this point where I can articulate like that, to break it down, to that's cleanly, smooth, and just it's taking some time, but it's definitely been you know, it's. it's- it's going to take time, of course. I mean, nothing, nothing, as you said, it, it's taken a couple of years. I'm sure the first couple of times you tried to say it, you fumbled it. And that's why you practice. That's why, you, you know, you help me out and come on my show. So you can tell me a little bit about what you're doing and how you're helping athletes. So I do appreciate that, man. And um, so with, with that, I mean, how has, has the business changed over a couple of years, usually over three, four years, especially those first ones, you kind of, you have this idea and then you, you pivot a little bit and then you pivot a little bit. Like, have you done any, have there been any iterations of the business or has it been relatively steadfast in, in what you're doing, how you're doing it and why you're doing it? So technically the business has been running for a year only. Okay. It took us three years in total. We couldn't launch it. Cause like I said, my partner was playing okay. football in 2018 with compliance, so we can't go out and speak to schools while he's still playing. There's recruiting, a whole bunch of red tape we'd have to go through. So we haven't really been doing anything until 2018, 2019 when we started. So we've been just doing this for a year. So far it's been, of course, little pivots here and there on programming and stuff. But other than that, it's pretty been steady on our mission and everything we've been doing. 
I love that. And that's very important because it's always curious. I'm always curious with startups. Um, you know, obviously things do change along the way, as you said, with your programming and, you know, maybe things do change in the future. And so I noticed, you know, some of the schools that you're, you know, working with, I saw Texas Tech, NC State, Amherst, obviously UCF. What, how are you, I mean, UCF is a pretty easy one, but with these other schools, how have you, what have you done to develop these partnerships? And then how do you go to the students and talk to them directly? So to develop the relationship was just networking. Since I was, when I was interning at UCF, I was networking. Wherever I could meet, I would meet. So, so when I was in this program and I got to the point where I was ready to launch it, some of these connections I already had, I can reach out to because they know me personally and they know what I've been working on. So I just said, when you're ready to bring, have this program, let us know. We'll figure out a way if we can get you out there. So that's how that networking piece. Now with the athletes, how I get to speak with them, the connection I have at the school is usually a student athlete development person. So they would either throw in a program or a class and we'd come in and have our own workshop that day. So we're speaking to multiple sessions of students of 40 kids or more. And that's how it works when we're talking with student athletes. I love it. So it's more of a group setting than the one-on-one uh, right. type of conversations. Right. Is that something that you try and you're going to try and work in on the, in the future? Understanding, you know, if you can have some more of those one-on-one conversations, it might be able to impact people a little bit more. Of course. Well, we the one-on-one conversation will also be a follow-up. It'll be okay. a group introductory. We talk to you and with our program, just very interactive. There's no PowerPoints or anything. It's very discussion-based, interactive. This program will go as much as the athletes put into it. So we make sure the athletes speak up in the program. Now that one-on-one will come after we do the program, that's the follow-up process where we can really get more in depth because now it takes you some time to figure out who you are. Now we can talk about it one-on-one. So that's more of a follow-up deal. And that makes sense. Um, you know, understanding because the schools obviously are all going to be different. And then the athletes within each school is going to be different. So kind of having that initial conversation, putting everything out on the table and then being able to speak with the athletes one-on-one definitely makes sense. Um, and I like the way you guys are doing it. I think it is, it is pretty darn cool. And how, how much is it preparing athletes for potentially going to the next level of their sport, whether that be baseball, basketball, football, and how much of it is preparing them for their, post-athletic career such as you know kind of what you and your partner have have started to do with this so it's almost hand in hand the way we approach it is we're not telling you you can't make it to the pros we're not telling you you can't be the successful business person what we're telling you is that it's going to be hard work and you have to understand that you're gonna have to make sacrifices if you want to make it to the league i'm rooting for you but you must understand there's a bunch of sacrifices that go in and whether you have to change your friend group you have to stop hanging out with certain people. It's a lot of things sacrificed in that. If your career is over, I want you to know that that athletic status you had, it doesn't leave you. That's competitive nature you have doesn't leave you. There's a bunch of tangibles and stuff that go into the workforce being an athlete that companies look for. Now let's realize what they are and let our athletic status enhance us, not define us. So it works hand in hand. Mm-hmm. I like that. Man, you got all you got all this down. Have you been asked all of these questions before? I feel like I'm not like I'm not trying to throw curveballs, but it's just got <laughs> everything's just down so tight. I love it, man. Congrats. Uh, I mean, when you it's your business, you got to know your business. So I like know that. Your I like that. I like. It. I appreciate. It. I appreciate it. And what um what are some of the successes that you guys have seen? You know, been able to do this for around a year, a little over a year now. It sounds like what you know with talking to some of these schools, with having these conversations with athletes. Are there any? 
you know, you don't have to name names, but you can, can you point to a couple stories that you've seen where you have clearly made a direct impact in some of these athletes' lives? Honestly, one that sticks out to me the most right off the top of my head is we met with a Texas Tech official. Like, we just ran across them out of nowhere, across the blue at a conference. And they, we spoke Texas Tech previously, and they came to us and said, I'm so glad you came and spoke with our athletes because one of our athletes had, a, like, a really bad season-ending injury. But he came to me and told me that if it wasn't for Walkall Nation come to speak to us, I wouldn't. He wouldn't have been able to bounce back as quick as he did. He understood that this isn't his end all be all, but he is so much more than his athletic status. So that story in its own definitely. This why I do this. This whole reason why I do this is to make sure athletes are prepared for life outside of sport. And in case that injury does happen, you're prepared. You know who you are. So just hearing that reaffirm that what I'm doing is right and I'm on the right track. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, especially understanding, you know, kind of what you've been through. It's probably very, it's easier for you to sympathize and empathize with someone who's kind of going through something similar ish. Um, So that way they know the information that you're giving them is from experience. It's not just from you reading a book and then relaying that information. It's something that you've been through in some capacity, which is always much more important and much more impactful in, in my opinion. And you know, with that, I mean, what is it like now seeing like all of these different stories and all of these different athletes and essentially just accumulating, as I said, you know, the, their experiences and what they've been through? How much easier is it becoming for you to connect with everybody the more you hear different stories and different people and different walks of life? It's definitely easier. I mean, it was easy already due to the fact that I was an athlete and I had mm-hmm. different walks of life in the locker room. That's just due to my personal experience and just it's easy to connect with an athlete when you're an athlete as well. But now hearing these other stories from different sports, I would never talk to usually. So like golf, tennis, soccer, hearing that we all have the same problems, it makes it much easier to portray the message because we all go through the same thing and athlete, mm-hmm. athlete, no matter what sport you play. So just hearing their stories, it just helps push the message forward even more. A hundred percent, man. I love it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. So with, um, with kind of what we're going through now, you know, this whole global pandemic, everyone's stuck inside on house arrest for, for lack of a better term. What are you doing to help your business and make sure that's pushing forward? And what are you doing to help the athletes to make sure that they're not getting stagnant as well? Right. So what for the business wise, it's a lot more behind the scenes work. So creating our ebook and creating stuff digitally to be able to put out when this is over for the athletes is more just, being an ear to listen to, being someone they can talk to because I put myself in athlete's shoes during this time and I realized it would be hard for me to listen to someone talking about hope and I can make it and I can do all these things when the world has no idea what's going on. My pro day just got canceled. My mom just got laid off. Millions and millions of people are unemployed. So why am I listening to someone talk about hope and you can be this, you can do this, you can do that when no one knows what's going on. I mean, it's different when we don't have this global virus going on and the world is running as normal and I'm an athlete, I get injured. Well, I can go into the real world. But now that we have this on top of that, athletics is the last thing people are looking at because the huge crowd numbers, stadiums, all that stuff. It's tough to tell somebody, you still make it doing all this? Like, ah, I don't know what to tell you at this point. So right now, I'm just a listening ear. I'll give you advice you need it, but I'm not going to push something on. If you want to talk, that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. If not, I completely understand. I was in your shoes. I know what you're feeling. But I'm just here to tell you that I'm here to listen. Whatever you need, 
this is what I'm here for. So that's what we're doing right now at Walk On Nation. And that, that's really what, that's really all you can do. Uh, Cause as you said, we don't know what the heck's going on. Um, you know, I feel just awful for those spring sport athletes. Um, you exactly. know, the, like, man, that, you, I mean, a lot of them, it seems like are going to get some sort of, you know, potential for next year, but not everyone's going to want to take it. And there's a lot of stuff going on with that, which sucks. I mean, obviously, and then the winter sport athletes, I mean, basketball is the one that comes to mind only because, uh, you know, March Madness, female and males, uh, male tournament, you know, that's it. I bet they didn't know um, that was their last game. I bet I'm a big Duke fan. Uh, so if the last game I watched Duke play is them blowing out or not blowing out, beating the heck out of North Carolina, I'm pretty okay with that. But it's just unfortunate <laughs> that they then don't get the opportunity to play in either the ACC or the, the NCAA tournament. It's just, it just kind of sucks. How many of those stories have you heard just from all these athletes in these schools and kind of just like, man, like this, you know, as you didn't know it was your last game, some of these athletes then did not know that this was going to be their last game. So what, what have you been helping, I guess, again, being a sounding board, but what have you been kind of telling them? It's been telling them that control, you can control. So when sports comes back, because it will, just be at your tip-top shape. Don't use this time to just sit around and mope in the situation. We can't control what's going on in the outside world, but you can definitely control what you do. So if that's getting better in athletics, getting better academically, that's you networking. There's things you can control that can make you better. Don't come out of this the same way you came in. Come out of this situation much better than you were. Mm -hmm. And so on that note with personal branding, I got to ask, how many people, how many of these athletes are you telling to get on TikTok? Uh, I'm not, it depends. I'm that. kidding. I'm totally yeah. kidding. I hope the number is zero. I'm totally kidding. I'm sorry. Yeah. But it, it depends. Yeah. Teach his own. <laughs> Teach his own, yeah, of each course. Is definitely to each his own. <laughs> I'm totally kidding about that one, though. I'm sorry, man. Um, so what um what are some of the future accomplishments you guys are looking to do? Uh, like what what are what are some of the goals? I know you're very. It seems like you're a very goal in, in, oriented guy. What are some of the next few goals that you have on your list to try and knock out again when I guess the world kind of comes back to normal? Definitely get to more schools. Definitely spread our word out some more and just be able to touch more athletes. I mean, the goal is to get to at least. 15 plus colleges this year and work with some high schools and some counties for high school because that's when the message needs to start there that's when they need to start thinking in high school so when they get to college they're already thinking about it so just trying to partner with more high schools colleges and just knock out as much as we can and get to as many schools as possible to spread the message that's what we're aiming at right now Let's get it, man. Well, hopefully there's a way I can help. Um, there's a couple of people I might know that we could put you in contact with. I guess the last question, I'm always interested. Um, you're a businessman. I, I don't feel bad asking this question. How exactly do you guys get paid? Is it from the, the colleges? And if so, like, how do you then show your, the ROI and show the worth that you guys and the value that you can bring? So, yeah, the colleges pay us, bring us out. We do the program, they pay us. And through that, we have our survey and stuff and we write a summary after that says has all the stats of how, what the athletes gained. We have open-ended questions where the athletes actually put their own responses in and we're sending these responses right back to the administration. Mm -hmm. So the administration knows exactly what they're getting out of this. It's not, you just get numbers. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's actually the athlete's words saying, I got this out of this program. This is what I love. This is what I learned. This is what I didn't like. So all that stuff gets sent right back to the school in a matter of two days. So as soon as we finish, quick turnaround, send it to the staff, and that's how it works. 
And so with being in business a little over a year now, have you had some repeat customers that said, wow, we loved it the first time, you know, let's do this again for our, our next class or, or just the athletes one more time? We had some lined up, I will say, but of uh, course this yeah. whole virus canceled that, right. but yeah, but definitely had some repeat customers. Hell yeah. That's a good thing. Once you start getting repeat customers, it means you're doing something right, man. So uh, right. Michael, anything else? I mean, I think we did a pretty damn good job. I think it's pretty good. It's just, good. I appreciate you having me on because that definitely a great experience. I appreciate what you do for the athletes. I'm a huge advocate for student athletes. Um, uh, someone told me yesterday, I had a great conversation. They're more athlete students when it comes to division one than student athletes, but that's not something we have to debate too hard here. I'm sure we're on the same page there. <laughs> Michael Willett, CEO and founder of walk on nation, UFC football player from 2013, 2017 on the national championship team. Do you have your ring on by any chance? Can I see, do you have, no, nothing. I don't have it on, but if you wait, I can go grab it real quick. Um, yeah, I would love that. If it's close okay. enough, I would hunt. I've never seen yeah. a, a national championship ring on screen, so let's go. Give me, give me one minute. Awesome, man. Thank you. All right, coming in hot. All right, so which one do you want? I have three. Um, All of them, man, whatever. It's the national championship one. Ooh, that's nice. There How is. many diamonds on that thing? Enough. <laughs> Enough to be heavy. This is our 2014, our back-to-back conference championship ring. Oh, that's pretty sweet, too. And this is the Fiesta Bowl from 2013. That is good stuff, man. I'm going to have to say a national championship. It's got a little extra, a uh, little pop to it. But maybe that's because we know what it's from. So I, I love it, right. man. That's awesome. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it, man. That's no problem. Killer. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode with Michael Willett. As I said, just so much fun and so, so cool getting to hear all those stories about his playing days and then what he was able to do and how he was able to turn that into a career and a company that he is now the CEO and founder of. So please make sure to follow Michael on all of his socials. Everything will be in the show notes. Please also make sure to give us a five-star review wherever you're listening, but especially if you're listening to us on iTunes or Apple, that would be very, very helpful. So thank you so much for your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of, and I appreciate you giving me some of yours, so I hope you make it a wonderful day.